Turn to Ephesians 6. Last week we began wading into the last major section of Ephesians, dealing with, among other things, the whole armor of God. And uh, I want to try something new today. In just a minute, I would like us all to stand as we read God's Word. Uh, I remember Ronnie Stevens doing that when he preached here. Uh, I guess it's been a couple years, and I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. But then I came across this week about how in Ezra and Nehemiah's day, in the Old Testament, they're coming out of captivity in Babylon, uh, they would stand for a few hours at a time while the Word was read, and uh, you know, out of reverence and respect for the Word of God. You can see that in Nehemiah 8 and 9. Likewise, in Luke 4, when Jesus inaugurated His ministry, this was new to me, uh, we see that He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was His custom, and He stood up to read the Word, and then He sat down to preach, which is kind of interesting as well. But um, <clears throat> I'm not saying this is necessarily prescriptive for us. I'm not trying to make a rule for anyone else. I'm not even saying we're going to do it all the time. But uh, it struck me this week, so out of reverence and respect for God's Word, I would like us all to stand. So please stand and follow as I read in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10-18. through 18. And remember, this is the Word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to, stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Amen. You may be seated. Now let me remind you of what we covered last week and then we'll pick up where we left off which was really in the first part of verse 14. The Christian life would be hard enough without an enemy. It's the difference between executing an NFL offense in practice and in the game. It's complex enough in practice. Learning the playbook, perfecting the timing and execution of the plays. Uh, but at the end of the day, practice is... It's just practice. But the game is a very different story. It's a lot more difficult to perfect the timing and execution of the plays when you have a number of very large athletic men uh, opposing you. The Christian life will be hard enough without enemies, but as we see in this text, enemies we have. The text calls them rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. We're talking about Satan and demons. And it's clear that they're out to destroy us. You know, the, the illustration of the NFL practice and game, it breaks down because in the main, on the football field, you're probably going to have a handshake after the game. There's no handshake coming at the end with Satan and his demons. They want us destroyed. 
Period. They want our families destroyed. They want our church families destroyed for generations, if possible. They know that they are ultimately going to be defeated in the end, but in the meantime, they're just trying to bring as many people as they can down with them. In and of ourselves, we are absolutely no match for the enemies that we are up against, but we have not been left to ourselves. God has made a way that we might withstand the enemies and stand firm in Christ all the way to the end. So after His death and resurrection, Jesus went back to heaven where the Father gave Him all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. Before He gave His disciples a great commission, that's what He said, right? All power and authority has been given to Me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He has power and authority over all mankind. He has power and authority over all Satan and demons, over everything. And not only that, but we learn elsewhere that we have the power of the resurrection available to us through the Holy Spirit who indwells all of us who believe in Christ. So in and of ourselves, we are no match for the enemies, but we haven't been left to ourselves. We are in Christ, and in Him, as it says in Ephesians 1, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have everything that we need to stand against the schemes of Satan and stand firm all the way to the end. However, that does not mean that we just cruise home to heaven. If our passage makes anything clear, it's that we are in wartime and we have a responsibility to fight with the means that the Lord has provided for us. Jesus has all power and authority, heaven and earth. We are in Him. We have everything we need yet we have a responsibility to fight. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do in fact wrestle. We can trust that we will dwell secure under the power and authority and care of our Lord Jesus, yet we must fight because we are at war. So last week was the 15th anniversary of 9-11, and I told you about what President Bush said. Uh, His first comments after he heard about the 9-11 terrorist attacks He said, we're at war. Give me the FBI director and the vice president. Now, in a situation like that, there's a certain comfort that comes that you're a part of the greatest military that the world has ever seen, that you have more, uh, the best training, you have more resources at your disposal than anyone else, but that doesn't change the fact that it's go time, right? How much more for the people of God? How much more can we rest assured knowing that Yeah, Satan and his servants are much stronger than us, but they're no match for King Jesus and His kingdom. But again, that doesn't change the fact that it's go time. We often live like we're at peace time. But until we make it to glory, we are indeed at war. We should take great comfort and rest in the fact that our commander-in-chief has power and authority over all. Not only that, but he has secured the ultimate victory in his death and resurrection. Yet, in order to endure to the end, we must take up the means of our warfare that He has given to us, and if we don't, we will be destroyed. God always gives us more than we can handle in our own strength. But He will never give us more than we can handle in His strength. So the text says in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of... His might. And we need to know that the transfer of His strength to us is not automatic. 
If we're going to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might, we must constantly be taking up the means that He's given to us. We must always be putting on and keeping on the whole armor of God. So we're going to be talking about the armor of God for the next many weeks. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the first part of the armor that is listed, which is the Word of God. In fact, uh, it's mentioned twice. It's the only part of the armor that... Uh, has two parts, I guess. But uh, verse 14, the belt of truth. Verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Some commentators think there's a distinction being made in the sense that the belt is probably referring to like a girdle piece, like an undergarment that would go under the armor uh, with a holster where you know the sword would be kept. That may be pointing us to the need for the internalization of the Word. Uh, just given its location, but even if that's not what it's trying to say, we know that in order to grow in the Word, it must be internalized. And the sword, of course, would be our primary offensive weapon. Uh, So much of what we'll talk about is uh, a matter of defense. And of course, the sword is useful for defense as well, but it's how we get on the attack. The living and powerful Word of our God. Without it, we cannot withstand Satan and his servants. Without it, we cannot stand firm to the end, but with it, indeed, we will. So, um, did you notice in the text how many times it says something like stand against or stand firm? Look back there in verses 11 through 14. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers, authorities, powers, forces. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore. The emphasis is on withstanding, standing firm, uh, standing against our enemies, standing firm in Christ. And taking up the means of the Word of God in order to make that happen. This talk of standing firm made me think of a couple different passages. Uh, One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. You can turn there if you like. One is uh, Psalm 1. The second is at the end of Matthew 7. Bible drill. You can uh, hold your place there if you like. Psalm 1 and Matthew 7. Both familiar passages, but I want us to uh, focus on a couple aspects here. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word of God. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. So standing firm like a tree with plenty of water. So the roots are good and strong, the roots are growing, there's plenty of water in the trunk able to withstand enemies, able to to stand firm. Verse 4, the wicked are not that way. They're like tumbleweed. They don't have those roots. The wind drives them along. Well, how does the blessed man stand firm? Certainly we could say God's strength. It's God's Word that he's meditating on. It's God's ways that he's walking in. And we know from elsewhere that all this only happens by God's grace. But how is the strength appropriated? The passage lists a number of things. Among them are withstanding those who are opposed to the Lord, delighting in God's Word, and meditating on God's Word day and night. Now look at Matthew 7. 
this emphasis on standing firm and standing against our enemies also uh, made me think of the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears my words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and it fell, and great was its fall. So who is it that stands firm and withstands the storms? It's not a trick question. What does it say? Those who hear the words and does them. The one who hears God's word and does it. So who is it that is destroyed by the storms? So both of them hear the Word. One of them does it. One of them does not do it. And this really helps us to think about what it means to put on the belt of truth and to take up uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This does not mean that we simply have a deep respect for God's Word deep down in our hearts. You know, that's not a bad thing. um, But that's not how we necessarily stand firm and withstand the enemies of God. This doesn't simply mean that we hear the Word in church and or read it uh, on our own. Though both are definitely a part of what we're trying to do, that's not where we're trying to end up. According to Psalm 1, you know, we are to meditate on God's Word throughout each day, which means we must either be reading it or listening to it, whether personally or corporately, Uh, not so that we can check it off our list of things to do, but so that we can be thinking through God's Word. That we can be mulling it over in our minds. What is that that I've just seen? The Word of God. What has He just said to me? He's spoken to me. He speaks through what He has spoken in His Word. What has He just said? Thinking about the truths contained in it. Praying it back to God. Latching on to something. and, And forming a prayer back to God. We're in a relationship with God, right? And so He's talking to us, we're talking to Him thinking about its application to our lives, and then actually making the application. Simply put, that day by day we would walk with God in and through His Word. You might say, well, I don't, I don't really know how to do that. Well, you've got to ask somebody then, because, uh, you know, and, it, and really, it's urgent. I mean, if we see anything in the text, there is an urgency. We do have enemies... We know that Satan prowls around seeking to destroy us. Storms are coming, whether uh, through him or just simply through the trials of life, that will threaten to wash you and what you've built away. There are plenty of people in here that have been growing sturdier and sturdier through God's Word for some time. And honestly, uh, there's no shame in not knowing how to engage God in His Word. But I hope that you would leave here today knowing that there is an urgency for that and um, knowing that there is plenty of help at your fingertips uh, to do that. There's no better way to do that in community. And we will get something going. There are a number of people in small groups just encouraging one another to daily be walking with God and in through His Word.
it is uh, an urgent thing. Let's try to get a little bit more practical, though. Um, so I know there are varying needs of uh, varying levels of personal involvement in God's Word represented here, so we can just try to start at, at square one. Again, uh, daily meditation requires reading or listening. Reading or listening is not meditation necessarily. Meditation is that thinking through what we've read and mulling it over and, and you know, prayerfully considering it with God and, and trying to make application to our lives. Um, you know, I guess the way the world thinks about meditation is emptying. The way we think about it is filling. Uh, filling our mind with God's truth and considering and mulling that over in, in how that affects who we are, who He is, and what He's done for us. Um, so you can't meditate without reading or listening. You know, but the reality is, just practically, as we try to carve out space for that in our lives, we're probably in the busiest time in the history of the world. And for many of us, we're probably in the busiest time that we will ever have in our lives. So we're in the busiest time in our lives in the busiest time in the history of the world. Now, that doesn't change the fact that the roots only grow deeper and the trunk wider and stronger as we drink the living water that Jesus gives us in and through His Word. I've just found it's never going to happen, this regular daily communion with God, if we don't have a plan. So figuring out your time or times. Uh, Maybe you're like Al Mohler. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He said his best hours are from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Nobody else is bothering him. And uh, he said his mental faculties are most available to him at that time. Not so much for me. Uh, But that's when he's doing the majority of his Bible reading. That's when he's reading other stuff. I mean, he's a prolific author and things like that. But that's his time. I don't know how he does it. Uh, My best time is the early morning hours. I I don't know how anyone just rolls into the day. Uh, I'd be a stressed out failure. But that doesn't mean that uh, that's, you know, it doesn't work for Al Mohler that way. So... Um, it doesn't mean that I don't need to read and think about God's Word at other times throughout the day. And of course, we have other things to focus on. It's not always only thinking about uh, a Scripture passage or something like that. But in order to get to meditating day and night, we've got to at least have a chunk of time somewhere in our day where we're coming in contact with God's Word and trying to think through what it is that we find there. I prefer reading through single books of the Bible one at a time. Some people like the reading plans where you're going through four different books. I can't keep track. I'm just trying to focus on one book. I'm trying to get the history, the context, maybe in a study Bible, and then just spend you know that month or however long reading through that book. Uh, if it's a short book, it doesn't take a month. But um, The point is, reading the Bible, listening to the Bible. There's audio Bibles everywhere now. You can get it on your phone. Whatever's best, switch it up. If that's not working, try something else. But the you know, just go back again and again, because you know it's not again. We can fall into like, oh, I've got to read my. Book. These are the words of life. This is where we find our our life and our strength and our power and our health, our nourishment. Um, and so, just consider what it is that we've been given, and it, it provides extra motivation and help. 
You're not going to get everything you read. You're not going to get everything you listen to. But ask God in whatever it is where you're interacting with Him through His Word that He would at least give you the grace to be able to latch on to something. Whether it's a promise, a theme, something. And then think about what you've come across. Think about some of the implications of what's been said. Pray it back to God. Thank Him for it. Uh, And ask Him for what needs to be done in response. What does this change about the way that I've been living my life? Is there a a truth or a promise to be believed? Is there sin that's being exposed that I need to confess and and repent of? Uh, What needs to change? And not just in your personal time, but corporately as well. We have lots of stuff going on around here all the time, corporately, whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Tuesday morning Bible study or whatever it is. There's lots of stuff going on in class, in service, Bible study. So at some point, after whatever corporate gathering, uh, an idea would be to just get away and spend a bit of time alone with the Lord. You can do that individually. You can do that you know, as a couple, as a family. Maybe you need to just jot down a couple notes uh, so that you can intentionally think through what you've heard. What is, what is one thing that has you know, really stuck out to me today in what I've heard? And then pray to God in light of it. Ask Him what you can do in response. Ask Him how you can put these things into practice in your life. Again, is there something to be believed? Is there, I was thinking this week about um, Jesus says some things that don't come naturally to us. And so let's say we're reading in the Sermon on the Mount in the beginning and He says, Rejoice when they persecute you. And you think, Huh, well, that's not my instinct. Not necessarily that I'm getting persecuted, but the church is kind of... Persecution's heating up in this country and maybe my instinct isn't always persecution. I mean, rejoicing. Maybe it's grumbling and, and anger. So, Lord... Help me to rejoice in the fact that this actually means that Your blessing is upon us. You said that this would happen. Thank You that You're near to us. Thank You that You're allowing us the blessing of being persecuted like You were persecuted. See what I mean? I mean, it's just a... What, how does the Word change the way we think? How does it change the way we live? Um, and, and that can happen every day in whatever passage you're in. Our Lord Jesus has power and authority over everything. Not only that, but He really has already secured the ultimate victory in His death, burial, and resurrection. Yet in order to endure to the end, we must take up the means that He's given to us. We really are at war. And if we don't take up the means that He's given to us, we really are going to be destroyed. God always gives us more than we can handle in and of ourselves. Yet He will never give us more than we can handle in His strength. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. One of the the greatest ways that we can take up the Lord's strength that He has given to us is in and through His Word. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But it doesn't do us any good if we aren't constantly holding it out before us as we walk. God's Word is our life. And James says is our liberty. But if we don't appropriate it to our lives, then we're going to be continuing to wander back into bondage. God's Word is our strength. It's our power and our protection. But if we leave it on our shelves and we neglect to interact with what we're hearing and learning corporately, 
if uh, you know we're not growing in that personal relationship with the Lord through the means that He's provided for us in worship and service and obedience to Him, we're going to remain impotent and powerless to to face what He's given us to face. We will be weak. We will be tossed to and fro by our trials and our temptations. We'll be sitting ducks for the enemies to pick off. I see sitting ducks get picked off all the time. And yet, I see godly men and women withstand and stand firm and even find the strength to rejoice in their trials and sufferings because God is with them. And, and He's ministering to them. Tyrell has just testified to that. That doesn't happen apart from communing with God in and through His Word. God's Word is our food, our water, and our health. But again, the transfer is not automatic. We have to take it up every day. The food has to be prepared. The food has to be eaten. The water has to be gone and gotten from the well. God's Word is our oxygen. Without it, we will live in a constant spiritual state of shortness of breath, or worse, suffocation. So even more practical and application to our lives, start with what we have seen and heard today from God's Word. Get alone with the Lord sometime. You know, Jesus would always do it late at night when everybody else was probably going to bed. But whatever your time is, get alone with the Lord. Thank Him for the amazing gift of His Word. Talk through it with them about this war that we're in. Wonder at the amazement that the God of heaven and earth is your Father. The Savior of the world is your Savior. This Holy Spirit of God is your Helper given to you personally to help you and comfort you and counsel you. The Lord of heaven and earth is your Lord, your God, and even, He says, your friend. We have the words of life. Pray to God in light of the amazing gift of His Word and ask Him what needs to change. Ask Him how in this crazy time in my life can I engage with you in your Word. What do I need to do in order to ensure that I'm finding a way to meditate? Give me some creativity here, Lord, because I've tried this other thing. It's not working. What needs to change in order that I might be paying attention, uh, be that man or woman building on the rock that I might be hearing and doing to be able to withstand and stand firm? Does anybody have any thoughts or questions about that? No question is dumb. Go ahead. I think I heard sometime it, it, this is just about making the habit and making the plan to speak to that, that kind of point. Um, I think somebody had written at one point it takes you like five weeks for something to become a habit, something hmm. like that. And uh, you just use all the means. I mean, you know, like like you said, like I, I try to use the smartphone to actually schedule the time in my calendar. Yeah. Uh, just anything that you can use just to help, you know. Sure. Make that easier. That's good. You know, I'm kind of old school and uh, I get lost in all the technology, but I know people who only read on their iPad and only, you know, they got Logos pulled up because you can do this in-depth Bible study and who knows what, but um, whatever works for you. One passage I was thinking about, you know, I intentionally said things like, 
God's Word is the living water? You think, well, Jesus is the living water. God's Word is the bread of life, but Jesus is the bread of life. And I think we tend to kind of separate those two in our mind, and we're going to have this personal relationship with the Lord, but we end up trying to execute that apart from His Word. And I'll just share quickly uh, from John 15. He says, uh, it's the abide in me passage. And Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Okay, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And then verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. So the point is, when Jesus talks about abide in me and I in you, abide in me and my words in you, he doesn't separate him from his word. He is, uh, he and his word are the same. Now we can say they're different. This is not uh, the bodily Jesus before us and we could get into that conversation But in terms of our relationship with the Lord, He and His Word are the same. Uh, We have a relationship with Him in and through His Word. You know, I think it's just like Satan to make us think that we can go on in a relationship with God apart from His Word uh, to distract us and, you know, just try to crush us. We're busy and um, it's hard. we have to fight with the Word as a part of our armor, but we also have to fight just to put the armor on. Right? It's a, uh, it's a daily battle. And yet you think about it, because with the distractions and the, oh, I just don't... But, but truly, we get there. It's all about Jesus. And we find that we have all the blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So this is all about our blessing in Him. Our strength in Him. God's love for us in Him. Uh, It's all about our freedom and our joy and our peace, His righteousness for us, the forgiveness of our sins, you name it. Every blessing that can be found under the sun, every bit of strength and hope, power that we need, um, it's here. It's the same when we take the sword to the world, right? You find opposition. People don't want that. I don't want to hear that. That's old school. We're on to new and better things. Well, maybe they think it's, it's going to hurt them. Sounds a little, you know, hard. But Christ has not come. The sword does not come to hurt us. He's come to cut the chains and the ropes away and set us free. We proclaim Him dead and buried and risen, enthroned, ruling and reigning forever without end. The King and His kingdom coming now. And He cuts us just where we need to be cut. He cuts away the things that need to be cut away. And He has said Himself in that passage in Luke 4, He came to set the captives free. So in terms of Satan and his servants, certainly taking up the armor for ourselves in our fight, but also taking the sword to the world that the captives might be set free. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for this great day. It is the day that You have made and we will indeed rejoice and be glad in it. I thank You for my brothers and sisters here in this room. We thank You for Your Word. 
It is living. It is powerful. Lord, You breathed it out and You still breathe life into us through it. Thank You that there is food here about which the world does not know, that there is drink here that will satisfy us forever. Thank You that You have given it so liberally. Lord, thank You for the hope that is contained here and the peace that is contained here. Thank You that You have revealed Yourself. Thank You that we can truly know You, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. Lord, give us grace to see these things with great sobriety. Give us Your strength, not only to fight with the armor, but to put the armor on in the first place. Give us wisdom. Lord, we are weak, but You're strong, and we do believe that Your power is made perfect in our weakness. Please, give us grace. Pour out Your power. Give us Your Holy Spirit in great measure to empower us uh, to follow after You. Thank You again for this day. Root us and build us up in Christ and establish us in the faith that we're being taught. We pray in His name. Amen.